Welcome to Season 2 of the Practicing Presence Podcast, where spiritual formation is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? How we doing? We are starting a new series about interpreting the divine in some general way. Yeah, something like that. I hadn't fully figured out what I'm going to title the series. This is just going to be an introduction episode. But I've been really thinking about the ways in which... Because I have a lot of conversations and people are like, well, I have this feeling or I have this experience and all these things. And I was thinking about it. We're going to do on our podcast tomorrow called Pints and Perspectives. It's our theology podcast where we drink beer um, and talk about theology. We're currently having a conversation about humanity mm-hmm. and uh, specifically theological anthropology, right. the way the human is made up. And I was thinking about my own theological anthropology, and I think it's changed over the last... No, two years. Um, and because this is not that podcast, I won't go into it. But in the way that I was thinking about how my theological anthropology had changed, that changed how I was thinking about discerning the divine. Right. You know, hearing from God yeah. basically is what what we're talking about. Um. And so I have a lot of conversations with people about, well, I don't know how to hear from God, or I don't know if I am hearing from God. And some people are like, oh, yeah, that gut feeling in my stomach, I know that's God telling me, and I just follow my gut, and it's never wrong, and I like, I got no questions that I hear from God. Yeah, um, There are people like that. There are other people who are like, man, I don't know. And, you know, of course, if you've hung around Christian circles for very long, um, there's always the one-off, uh, oh, Pat, there's always the one-off pastor who's like, you know, I have a congregant come to me and go, oh, I don't know how to hear from God. God's not speaking to me. And they go, oh, your Bible's closed. Guy, get out of here. Um, yeah, the Bible for sure is a way yeah. to hear from God. And it should be the way in which we measure mm. what we think we've heard from God yep. in other avenues. Absolutely. I'm not saying in a, like a explicit one-for-one ratio because like if you did this book has to be interpreted right you know first peter tells women not to wear jewelry yeah if we really took everything it said golly be all kinds of stuff Um, it's really based on interpretation like and it, it honestly goes back to that gut feeling too even when you're reading it yeah like well and well and that's part of what spurred all of this on was and we're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to this, so I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about this, but we will talk significantly about this. Um, in theological anthropology, the Bible's pretty clear. You have a material piece to your body, mm-hmm. you have an immaterial piece. The way in which that immaterial piece is made up, what it's comprised of, um, is subject to a lot of debate. 
your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, you know, all these things have an impact in quote unquote, your immaterial makeup. And so the Bible's pretty clear about that. It's not real clear about the immaterial pieces, but the body pieces, it's pretty clear about. Unfortunately, some places in the Bible, and specifically one author of the New Testament, looking at you, Paul, um, has chosen to use the word flesh as a metaphor for sinful desires. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's true. You remember this in Romans. Mm-hmm. If you do that, unfortunately, the word that he's chosen to use is most closely at- attached to the body. The physical body. The material element of the body. But if... It's connected to your meat suit. (laughs) To your meat suit. That's a really terrible way to say that. (laughs) But, yeah. um, He... So, he's chosen to communicate these sinful desires through this metaphor of the flesh. Which, unfortunately, has tied quote-unquote, if we're going to use our philosophy, appetite mm-hmm. to the body, yep. which is bad, according to Paul. Sure. That taken to an extreme is Gnosticism, that your body is bad and it's constantly fighting against you, against your immaterial pieces, which are perfect or are the pieces of you that are pursuing divine likeness and ascent. And so this... <clears throat> My body has to die. This yep. has to go away, and I must be a soul free floating in heaven because my body's bad. Well, here's the problem with that. When it comes to discerning the divine, that's probably what I'm going to call it discerning the divine. Um, when it comes to discerning the divine, your body and the things that it's telling you mm. are actually one of the greatest indicators of what God. Mm. is telling you because do not forget this is one of my problems do not forget that we are told the first thing we're told about us is that we're made in the image and likeness of god yeah that means emotions that means the things that your body wants now let's also talk about this if your body wants something If your body wants something, that does not naturally make that thing bad. Right. However, it does mean that that is something you would like. In this moment, your body is telling you you think that you would enjoy that. Right. Whatever that is. If you're hungry, food, sex, water. Yeah, whatever. Whatever the thing is. However, not every desire that your body has is a wholesome endeavor to embark upon. Yep. So for instance, if I'm hungry, my body has an appetite. I have a desire to eat. There are two things before me. I have a bowl of ice cream or I have something of actual Substance. nutritional value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I could, I can choose to eat either one. Mm. I am drawn. I have an appetite for both. One is probably a more, a better option than the other one. And so in the same way, sometimes our body may entice us to do something that may not be the most healthy of choices, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't always trust our body. For instance, and this is, this is the one where people always take it. So I'm going to go ahead and take it here for us. Sex. Mm -hmm. If your body is telling you that you are sexually aroused, that is not sin. Right. That is not a problem. Your body has sexual needs. You are a sexual creature. Yep. You were made for sex. You have reproductive organs. And the first command God gave humanity in the garden was to be fruitful and multiply. Have sex. You have, you are a sexual being. Yep. It's just the way it is. Now. There's an, well, yeah. It is not always the most healthy of choices to engage in every sexual desire or arousal. There is an ethical and an unethical way to have sex. Well, there is. That's not necessarily where I was going. More no. more for me, where I was going is appropriateness. Sometimes, I was married for seven years. When I would be with my ex, I would get aroused. But if you were in public... Golly, that is not the appropriate time to act on that desire. Right. It doesn't mean that desire was bad. Mm. It means that it was an inappropriate time to act on that or possibly in other avenues, yep. an inappropriate way to act on a good desire. That's a long way of explaining the problem that we have created for ourselves, which is now we have generations mm. of Christians who do not trust their bodies. Right. They have zero trust for their bodies and what it's trying to tell them. And are shamed for trusting their bodies at some time, at some points. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that, that, that's a big point that we can't miss here. We are told by the church that we can't trust one of the big pieces that God communicates to us. Oh, well, and also, if you take this to extremes, the anxiety you get mm-hmm. when you are, don't feel safe... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's your body. Yep. That, Absolutely. That's your body. Where do you feel that? Usually people feel it in one of three pla- one of four places, three of them in your stomach and one higher up on your sternum, um, like pressure in your chest. That's your body telling you yep. something. And don't think that emotions and like the way in which your body's communicating to you is not also a way in which God is actively involved in trying to communicate to you as well. Uh, do you not think God wants to keep you safe? Yeah, absolutely. So when you have anxiety, when you feel anxiety, do not think that's God going, hey, let, let's be alert here. Let's figure out why do we have to be here? Must we stay here? Should we leave? Yeah. Like these are things that are happening. But because we've created an entire people and we've told them not to trust their body, we also have a ton of people who are walking around expecting that God's not going to talk to them because the primary way in which they do, they're told it's not, and they're actually told it's sinful. And it's because this is the deal. We all have desires for anything. Food, water, sex, 
shelter, money. We all have desires. Those desires are not bad. Even if you have like a desire for money, making money, I think I have this desire. Um, that is not bad. Yeah, That is a God-given desire. If you believe that each of us are made in the image and likeness of God, then that means God has crafted us to have certain desires, to have certain expectations, to have certain drives, to have personalities. So those things are God-given desires. The question is, are you going to act on them in a way that is God-honoring or not? To say it another way, are you going to act on them in a way that promote life or promote death and experiences of death? Yeah. So what I really want out of this series is I want, I want to have a lot of conversations about trusting your body mm-hmm. and, and believing that your body is not in an active fight against you and your restoration of your immaterial self, yep. of your spiritual self, that these two things are working in, in connection with one another. Um, I also want to talk about like listening for the divine in prayer because I do think that's hard for people. Um, and we've talked about lots of spiritual practices in the past that deal with this issue. We have, we, we have. So if you want to go back, we have an episode called the listening prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a spiritual prayer practice, uh, that people do to try just to listen. But there are also things that I do, um, that are just tips and tricks for me. So we'll probably have an episode on how to just hear like what the Bible might call the still small voice. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of like what would be the equivalent of the auditory right. element of, of discerning the divine, even though it's not audible. Um, and then I also want to spend at least one episode talking about how to do this, how to discern from this book um, what God might be saying. Because everybody knows I don't hide it. I'm not an narratist. I don't, I don't think this book is without error. Yeah. I think as it sits right here, it has errors. Technically, inerrancy only refers to the original manuscripts, the autographs, which we don't have, so I think it's kind of stupid anyways. Um, but I do think this book is trustworthy. I think it's authoritative. I do approach it. Andrew Barrett gets on me all the time. I do approach it with a hermeneutic of suspicion. All the time. Yeah. I am constantly suspect of this book. Um, but I think it's because I understand the patriarchy. Um, and so I'm constantly suspect about that book. Uh, and even some of the writings in it. But. It's still an authoritative book. It's an authoritative text. And I had a seminary professor define inerrancy as the Bible is 100% perfect according to its purpose. Sure. That. If you want to define inerrancy as that, yeah, I believe that. It yeah. is 100% perfect according to its purpose. Absolutely. But its purpose is to get you closer to the divine. And I, I mean, you, Clayton Ware, mm-hmm. you, listener, and every listener, you, an individual person, 
are men to take this book or one similar to it and encounter the divine through sacred reading. But you also have to sift through a whole lot of quote-unquote nonsense that nobody really knows what to make up with. Yeah. Nobody knows how to do it, deal with these things. Um, and there's a lot of cultural things involved. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there about... Um, there's a lot of stuff in there about, like, don't have sex with animals. Okay. It's a great example. <coughs> Trust your body, bro. Sexual desire, good. Maybe not appropriate to do that with an animal. <laughs> um, yeah. This is what I mean is like discerning the divine. The The desire is good. Yeah. Maybe the way in which you capitalizing yeah. on that desire is bad, but it doesn't mean that your body's bad. It doesn't mean that God's not talking to you. It doesn't mean that the divine is not actively involved in your life and you're trying to discern the, the activity of the divine. That's actually exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. One of the ways in which you do that is through sacred readings. So I want to spend at least one week talking about how to read the Bible for discernment, how to glean it for spiritual revelation, to hear the voice of God in it, those kinds of things. Um, because I do believe that it's inspired. Yeah. I'm not sure I really know what that means, Yeah, if I'm being honest. Um, because the whole idea of God breathing into it um, I don't think it means for me what it means for everybody else because the first thing God breathed into was Us. humanity and yeah. we failed miserably yeah so I'm like that that just doesn't really mean as much to me I guess yeah um but I for sure know. That God breathed life into me mm-hmm. and breathes life mm-hmm. and sustainer of life. God breathes life into me. And so if he breathes life into me, um, I am a person that must breathe out. Sure. I'm a person that must exhale. So what I bring in, I must give something out of. Yep. So if God did breathe... I don't know at what level it's been corrupted in the same way that I don't know what level I've been corrupted. Right. But I know that if God breathed into it, that God must breathe out of it. Right. That there must be communicative elements of God in it. And the hard part is, is, and we say, you and I say this all the time, but people do not say it enough. This book is not written to you. Mm Mm-hmm. This book was written a very long time ago for a people that you hadn't even been thought of. Yep. Long before. You weren't on anybody's mind right. when this book was written. Um, I think, and, I, and this is my example all the time, I think if Paul knew he was writing scripture... He would have written very differently. I think so. Like, maybe he wouldn't have told people to yeah. bring his books back. Yeah. Like maybe maybe if you're writing sacred divinity, like sacred divine words, they're gonna be studied for almost two thousand years. You yeah. you really refine what you're writing there. Oh yeah, I think also it's really important, and this is kind of what we're getting at. And you can correct me 
or disagree or whatever. I think that um, everything around us can influence how God communicates to you. Oh, yeah. Literally everything. Anything and everything. Yeah. Nature, right? Like, you ever had one of those God moments where you're just driving down the road and you see, like, a, a pretty sunset or something like that, and you're just like, man, God is good. You know what yeah. I mean? That is God communicating to you that he is good. Golly, dude. Yeah, I hear God in some of the, like, most weird ways. So I'll never forget. Maybe the most, like, maybe one of the times I think I've heard God, the clearest that I've ever heard God speak. I was kayak fishing. Mm. Um, and I was out. I was in Galveston, and I was out, and I was in these sloughs down in West Beach. Uh, in the neighborhoods back in West Beach, it was, about sun, it was about sunset. I was getting ready to have all those rich people turn their overhead lights on uh, so I could go fish their lights and catch all the trout. But um, it's not illegal. <laughs> Just don't make a lot of noise and we'll turn the <laughs> lights off. <laughs> but anyways, so I was just fishing in a brush line, uh, and I was just letting the waves, the, the tide kind of move me down the brush line. Uh, as I was fishing, waiting on the sun to go down. And um, and I remember, like, being, I, and I was, you know, I was trout fishing, redfish fishing, so you're constantly working a lure, and mm-hmm. I'm floating. And I had this, I just kind of had this, harmo- like, this harmonious rhythm going. I was, I was working my reel. We were floating down the tide, going across, and I was catching fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was working. It was this kind of... Sy- synchronicity of sorts and i felt god like i i know i heard god say this is the kind of rhythm i want with you all the time Mm. like this harmony this synchronous synchronicity of like this just perfect rhythm and everything working in tandem yeah uh this is what i want with you all the time i've also had god speak to me through a coke can yeah literally anything and everything is a way for the divine to communicate to you. Yep. The question is simply, are you looking for it? Thanks for listening to the Practicing Presence podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.